0: Hello, and thank you for joining us again on Into the Prey. We've got a quick favour to ask you guys before listening to this week's episode. We want to ask you to go ahead to rate and review Into the Prey so that we can lift the level of what we're doing further. Visibility in the podcast charts would help with that massively. It would also help to address the imbalance where folk can often be very specific and more than willing to leave reviews or so-called reviews when they're not happy with what we're doing. So there are, we believe a vast majority of you who are happy and appreciative and grateful It would be very good to convert that into rates and reviews that give us a more reflective presence in the podcast chart. So if you go ahead and do that, we've also got a new Patreon page. If you want to become one of our patrons stroke supporters, please do follow that link, look at the information and consider doing that as well. Thanks again for listening and please do feel free to use the contact page to drop us a line with any questions, thoughts or reflections. The devil wants that. On the one half is the blessing camp, and on the other half is the repent camp. That's what the devil wants, okay, and that is what's happening. But actually, it comes back to this misunderstanding of what it means to to know and worship and love a good God. Is that the blessing is the repentance. God, for all intents and purposes, needn't be there. And we need to recapture a sense of the godness of God the greatness of God, the majesty of God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this next teaching episode in the book of 1 Corinthians, entitled City of Temples. This is the um, 39th episode in this book. And today, it's going to be a little bit of an aside, really, from, I say an aside, but a slight... digression from from our passage obviously to date it's been very much a question of going through each verse or section by section i want it i came to i came to the scripture today and i wanted to i had a sense of needing to pause you know um it's very easy to get caught up in making your way through a text to the detriment of anything in your life changing? And it just began to strike me that we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we can easily miss him. We can miss him in the process of studying. We can miss him in the process of learning. And, you know, there's just there's always this risk of missing the Holy Spirit because, because of the subtlety that that often is. It's a subtle thing sometimes. but So I, I don't want us to miss... I, I don't want to miss him. Um, so as I began to just think about this a bit before kind of ploughing on, so to speak, um, a, a very clear thought began to just strike me um, and I hope that it's helpful this morning and I think it's helpful... For us to for those who are kind of tracking with us as we work through this book, next week is half term and this would be a good thing I think to take away into half term and just have a pause as it were on the teaching methodically systematically through the through the verses um, let's just read ephesians one seventeen I've got some scriptures here, and for those who are listening again, you'll know this is. This is the city of temples, and that is worth saying again that the person of the Holy Spirit is central to that, even that title, city of temples. Temple of what? Temple of, well, as we've seen, of demons or of the Holy Spirit. And um, so the Holy Spirit is central here, even in this, even in the, and alluded to there in that actual title, city of temples. Really city of the Holy Spirit isn't it if you think about it like that um, but today I wanted to call this as we know we're talking about the present and continuous Holy Spirit and and for this actual session I want to talk about the title being he wills he wills that you keep on asking he wills that you keep asking. And you're going to see what I mean by that in just a moment as we go through these texts. So if you've got your Bibles to hand, I hope you have. um, Let's go to Ephesians 1. This is a critical verse for us, I think, today. And have your finger in Luke 11 as well. Ephesians 1, and you'll know that I tend to read the ESV, and you'll also know that I tend to refer to the Amplified Classic, the AMPC. Um, Let me just read this verse. This This verse... Again, I don't want to assume that everybody knows this or appreciates this. This verse um, is one of Paul's major New Testament prayers that I'm about to read you. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is it's one of the critical moments, one of the, um, if you if you read the whole of the New Testament or all of Paul's writings, this this stands out as a major New Testament prayer. In other words, something that, irrespective of which book we're reading that it appears in, it's a major it's a major kind of heartbeat of Paul. That's a good way of, I think, of thinking about it and, and expressing it. It's a major, you know, a, a signature reality, a signature prayer, a major New Testament prayer that I'm about to read you here. Ephesians one seventeen, and I'll read in the ESV, "'I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers.' That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and and of revelation in the knowledge of him. The Amplified Classic puts it like this. I, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. The Amplified is normally amazing. I find it very helpful. I actually think it's a little bit weak in some respects. I'll I'll just mention that in a second. Um, But just thinking of part of the rendering that of insight into mysteries and secrets makes me think of Jeremiah 33, that classic chapter, one of my favorite. In fact, it was the chapter that an excerpt, a passage from, was read at our wedding day. The promise of restoration. Um, but there, there are echoes of that. I think here in in this, when it comes to you know, of insight into mysteries and secrets. But as I just mentioned, I think the amplified renders this verse slightly weakly. I think because the critical part of it is to do with the Holy Spirit. That's that's our that's our focus. And that's what I want to bring today. But look what look what it says in the, in the ESV. It talks about the Father of glory that He may give you this, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Whereas the Amplified talks about granting you a Spirit, no capital. And um, it's important. I think you may not need this pointing out to you, but some of you may may do that. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. Paul's prayer. This major New Testament prayer for the for the New Testament Church, all those different churches, all those different countries, all those different communities. Um, his prayer was that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would be granted to them, in in order that they would know Jesus better. That's the that's the paraphrase of this verse. So, Ephesians one seventeen. Now I'm going to read it in a few moments from the NIV, partly because that's how I memorized the verse when I was younger. But also because I think it does provide a, a a key um nuance that I want us to I want us to think about today as I say as we go into a half term break as we have a an extra period to think and and so on the present and continuous holy Spirit the person it's not about the gifts that he gives it's about the one who's giving and even that can be cliche so um keep keep ephesians one seventeen in mind and I want to also just flag up Luke 11:13. So flick over to Luke 11:13, and this is again a, a very relevant verse where Jesus this time says, "If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, gifts. If you then know who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?" Exclamation mark. <laughs> exclamation, aren't, exc- exclamation marks are important, aren't they? Um, f- for various reasons. Perhaps some of you aren't reading, which is why I just uh, emphasized that. Um, I won't go into this verse in terms of the, the comparison between earthly parenting and heavenly parenting. The father. Um, and this, this, this kind of quite provocative um, comparison, the juxtaposition where Jesus talks about our earthly parenting—the very best that we can give—is evil in comparison. And I think that is quite jolting, uh, regardless of how true it is. It's a jolting thing, I think. Um, but I, I want to say, I want to say this to us today: that thinking about what I was saying a moment ago about this, this. And I've mentioned before, the familiarity can breed contempt, and we can easily miss him in the process of studying and so on. This is what I want to say to everyone today: is that a main thing, a main thing that the enemy would want for us all as we read this chapter is to not encounter the Holy Spirit. I mean, that sounds like a fairly obvious thing to say, but I I think it's worth drawing everyone's mind to that thought that the enemy. Would want us not to encounter the Holy Spirit. Would not want. He would want us to not hear Him. He would want us to not desire Him. He would want us to not trust Him. He would want us to not receive from Him. He would want us. The enemy would want us to read through theoretically with years-long familiarity, and not as a a wide-eyed child asking expectantly for a gift. The enemy would want us to read through theoretically with years-long familiarity, and I appreciate that some some of you listening and watching may not have years-long familiarity, but I think perhaps the majority will have that. To read through in that way, with that kind of familiarity, that historic longevity, and not as a wide-eyed child asking expectantly for a gift. A wide eyed child asking expectantly for a gift. And it's that it's that whole thought of asking in a certain kind of way that I want us to take into the half term break. Um, asking in general, okay, I mean I think for those of you who are parents, you'll be able to understand this more, but it's not it's not just for parents. I you know I'm not a parent, but I've still been involved in closely in seeing children born and raised and grown, you know, I, in terms of um, those kind of powerful longings to protect and to invest. and um, But that will be something for you as parents who are listening or watching. It's a heightened sense, you know, I can only imagine what it would feel like to be an, actu- an actual human, you know, earthly father. Um, what parent doesn't want to give a good gift to their child? What parent doesn't want to equip their child for their lives? Um, this this whole thing of asking in general, okay, is is an odd thing, isn't it? Um, we, we might we might ask for help. We might ask for someone's advice. We might ask for someone's wisdom, someone's area of expertise. Um. We might ask for a quick favour. You know, there are things in general where asking seems a bit more uh, natural, um, and some of us find this general asking more more natural than others. Some of it, some of us find it very unnatural to ask for anything. Some of us are very reticent, very slow in coming forward, so, and for various reasons, you know. Whereas other people are. Uh, some almost sometimes too quick to ask you know there's a there's a, an easy familiarity where asking perhaps happens more than it should but but think about think about this thinking about the context here of of Ephesians 1 and and the verse in Luke 11 there, Luke 11:13 we're talking about asking not just in general but asking for a gift now this is this is why it's important to use our imagination okay Asking for a gift. How unnatural is that? Can you think of a time? And this is what began to just strike me as I was thinking and not wanting to miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do, which could be historic for some of us. It could be historic for all of us. In one sense, it should be historic for all of us because the Word of God is living and active and it never returns void. It's always achieving the purpose for which it's sent, that kind of constant present reality, hence... You know the, the present, continuous Holy Spirit. Um, I think he got one. Can you think of a time when you asked somebody for a gift? I mean, it's understandable. Hey, could you could you give me a hand lifting this sofa, or could you could you give me a hand changing this tire on the car, or um, could you do me a quick favor and run me a bath? You know, but to actually ask somebody, for, hey, would you give me? Excuse me, I've just been meaning to ask could would you give me dot 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 so asking in general is I think worth thinking about, but this thing of and this is the direct context for today is asking for a gift. How unnatural can you ever recall asking somebody for a gift, perhaps at Christmas someone might ask you, what would you like somebody might who's close to you might say, "Hey, listen, Christmas is coming up could you give me could you give me a list?" You know, mum, my mum does that every year. My, my dear mum does that every year. And I more than happily give some ideas. Um, and I'm sure all of you listening, there is some familiarity with, with that um, at Christmas time or whatever. But aside from those kind of festive calendar times, who approaches someone to ask them specifically for a gift? I mean, it's just an odd, an odd, odd thing. I just don't think that would ever happen. Um, by the way, just as a quick aside, um, on gifts, giving gifts as a love language, I think, I think, I think we all have that as a you know we all love to receive gifts, and some people like to give gifts more. But I think you know you can give gifts intelligently, can't you? I think the best gift, the best kind of gifts, are not when somebody says, hey, what would you like, but actually gives you what you would like because they know what you would like without having to ask you what you would like. You know, those kind of intimate, uh, intelligent gifts where people just know what you like, the kinds of things you like, those are the best kind of gifts. And I think that's worth thinking about today as well because I think God gives with that level of forensic, intimate, perfect knowledge Psalm 139, um, again, that, that makes even the best human give gift giving look evil in comparison. I'm not going to go into that particular nuance today. But think stay, staying on track, who, who approaches somebody to ask specifically for a gift? I mean, this seems to to be an odd thing indeed. And I think one of the reasons why it seems so odd for us is because we stopped being children a long time ago seems to me that this is a unique aspect of being a child asking for a gift it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that a child would do and indeed should do you know there's something stunted and damaged i think about a child who doesn't ask it's a very natural thing for a child to ask and ch- children that don't ask because of abuse or neglect it's a very unnatural thing. So it seems to me to be a uniquely childlike characteristic. In Mark ten, this is another verse for today. Truly, I say to you, this is Mark ten fifteen in the ESV again. Whoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So this this issue of asking like a child is critical. It's not just some kind of you know theme for a teaching session. This is why it's good to pause and you know, the the text is obviously important as we're working our way through it, but to stop and be able to just breathe and think and think, right, okay, which the context here is of a gift giving, empowering God who is the father of glory and, and he's so spectacularly good that he makes all of our best parenting on earth look evil in comparison. That's how good he is. He is better than we think he is. He's better than we know he is. He's better than we can imagine he is. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. So I want to talk here about asking and receiving like a child. You know, again, it seems like an obvious thing to me as I've just stopped to think about this today that... um, what is the one characteristic of not merely a, a child's um a, ch- a child not not just not just one characteristic of merely a child but you could because you could say that other things would be characteristic of children like negative things like squabbling or i mentioned entitlement a few weeks ago children can be very entitled um crying you know negative things like that but but what is the think of the what is the characteristic of their asking okay we're establishing that children ask and that's a very childlike thing that many of us i think struggle with and feel it's unnatural because we we grow up physically humanly and we and in a sense we graduate or move beyond the that child those childlike qualities i mean that's a separate conversation a separate podcast but you know that there are elements of play that should still feature in our adult life, shouldn't there? And I think often play is seen as this thing that we should grow up from, you know, certain things we should stop doing by a certain age, that kind of thing. Um, So this is the question, I think is a critical question for us today, is what is the one characteristic of not merely a child but the one characteristic of a child's asking? I'm going to say that again because it may be may not make perfect sense initially what is the one characteristic of not merely a child but the one characteristic of the child's asking and I want to suggest to that this morning that the one characteristic of a child's asking is this, that they keep on asking that they keep on asking Um. And this is why I mentioned earlier I wanted to read this Ephesians one seventeen major New Testament prayer in the NIV because it's where I memorised it as a probably as a child, actually. Um, this is what it says in the NIV. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Jesus better. I keep asking... I remember one occasion, and I'm sure my mum and dad won't mind me mentioning this. Um, I just remember one time, um, boys being boys, you know, wanting this, that, this, that, everything. Da 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 da. The the thing, and very understandably, you know, you boys are never satisfied. Was the was the what was levelled at us as children, <laughs> which would have been true. This is what I'm trying to say today, and that can be exasperating for fathers. You boys are never satisfied. And that might sound like a silly memory to have. But Paul's saying here, and if you remember that in the first verse of chapter 11, Paul is talking, saying, hey, guys, you need, to, you need to imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus. So this is Paul's major New Testament prayer in Ephesians 1.17. And what do we read here in the NIV? He keep I I I keep asking. So, if we're going to be faithful in imitating Paul, imitating Jesus, we have to keep on asking. And I want to suggest that maybe some of us are satisfied. You know, this whole thing of parents who are exasperated because of this insatiable desire of children for more, 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 more. Just been to McDonald's. Is that not enough? Children whinging because you know. They've soon forgo- forgotten the memory of McDonald's, whereas the parents are thinking, we've just taken you for a treat to McDonald's. Are we, are you satisfied? Little children are never satisfied. A, a unique characteristic of of a child is not, not merely that they ask, but that they keep on asking. And that's why I've entitled this today that that he wills that you keep on asking, he wills that we keep on asking. Children are never satisfied. This is why left to their own devices, they'll eat too much Turkish delight, they'll eat the whole box and be sick. Paul was continually asking, not as an entitled, needy layabout who refused to work with his hands, but as an obedient child of God. You know, you're going to be a child of God on your deathbed. So you might as well spend the whole of your life behaving as a child by continually asking. And don't get me wrong, there are wrong ways to be asking and actually we're about to see that in the book of James now quickly. But this this thing of asking, I hope that this is making sense because I'm I've been a Christian for what, I don't know, I'm 42 almost, you know... 30 years I've been a Christian. And when we come to the passage next time, when we re we, we pick up, pick back up the text, so to speak, we'll be looking at verses 12 and 13. And picking up on the issue, which is an important theological issue about some Christians who believe that the Holy Spirit, you're baptised in the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion, and other Christians believe that's a secondary event that happens when you might receive. You know, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not going to go into that today. Um, but irrespective of that, this is a, this is a, this is I a, think a critical thing to think about. You know, as someone who's been a Christian for 30 years I can read through this I can teach through this but am I asking am I asking like a child am I entering progressively the kingdom so to speak am I coming to him just like a child it says in the book of James and this is a caveat I think to this thing of keeping keeping on asking or not so much a caveat perhaps but more of a a seasoning for us to understand what our childlikeness should be, and not our childishness. there's a difference between childishness, childishness, and childlikeness um and I think this this bit in James helps us with that. James one, five to eight, and James four, two to three. Let me just read it for us. If any of you lacks wis- wisdom, you should ask God. there you go. You should ask God, you should ask God again, it's worth asking the question: Are you satisfied? Can we be released to being like those those little boys who were never satisfied, who always wanted more? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. Very difficult not to think of Sean Connery at that point. You must believe, boy as Indy is walking across the invisible bridge, you must believe, boy. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. When children ask, healthy children, they don't doubt. They're not tossed to and fro like the sea. They ask with expectation, don't they? That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So it's important, again, this is, I think, where a difference, I touched on faith, the gift of faith last time, and the difference between faith and hype, You you know, whipped up emotionalism that actually isn't really genuine faith. We're not supposed to just grit our teeth, and just kind of like rub a lamp like a genie, hoping to, you know, some kind of, you know, brute strength is the answer here. No, there has to be genuine faith. And the person who should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, who's double-minded in that way, they're unstable in all they do. James is very straight-talking. We need more James, I suspect. And then in chapter 4, James then says a bit later. He says, "You do not have because you do not ask." So some some aren't uh, receiving or possessing the gifts. That childlike posture that we're supposed to keep on asking because we've stopped asking. James is saying there, you do not have because you do not ask. But then look what he says in the next verse, in verse three of chapter four of James. You say it says, James says, you you ask. And do not receive. So sometimes it's not that you're not asking. Sometimes the issue is, is that you've stopped asking. Other times the issue is that you're asking and, not, and still not receiving. And James, I think, very insightfully and kind of, this is an important verse, says, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So there we are again. There is a way of asking rightly and there is a way of asking wrongly. And it would seem clear from these verses that we are supposed to be asking in an ongoing way. We're supposed to be keep on keeping on in our asking. But that, as James is saying, that it's what's going on in our heart in that process, isn't it? And that if we're motivated, by our own passions, by our own agendas, by our own motivations, James would say, and the word of God would say, and the Lord would say to us, "You ask and do not receive because you you ask wrongly to spend it on your on your passions. Remember I said last week gave that that silly example of all the children of Narnia coming through the strange land of spare oom. <laughs> that always makes me chuckle. Um, they come through and they just you know. They eat what they want, and they don't think, and they just. There's this stupid scene in my mind where I think of the way that the gifts are often treated, or that the, the wider church scene is 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 dealt with, and men and women particularly. I've covered that, but you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on yourselves and on your on your passions. And I think this is the thing about the gifts. Do you remember I said last week that the gifts aren't for us; they're for the church. And so when we keep on asking for gifts. For others, it's very different, isn't it? And I wonder how much that actually shapes how we ask and what we ask for and so on and so forth. And I think that's perhaps the difference here, is that I could you could argue argue, but doesn't a child ask for purely selfish reasons? Yes, natural children do. Of course they do. Children aren't thinking, okay, what's the best motivation for me to have here as I'm asking for this, this, and this. Children, you know, you're not going to teach a five-year-old to. I can't even think of an example. You, you get my point. There are there is a natural sense in which that will always be, but but the answer to this is that we are to be children of the kingdom, aren't we? Thinking back to thinking back to the verse in Mark eleven. Sorry, Mark ten, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child does not enter it, and we're so we're not children, any old children we're children of we're children of the king, we're children of the coming king, we're children of Jesus, we're children of Yahweh, we're children of the great I am, I am sends who who shall I say who shall I say sends has sent me said Moses, I am, tell them I am sent. Sent you, Moses. We're children of Him. We're children of Yahweh, and so children like that, as we are. This is the miracle of of Ephesians one and Ephesians three, is that we've been sealed for the day of redemption by the Spirit. There will be a wedding supper of the Lamb, which will be literal. We're going to be exper- We're going to have a. There's going to be a consummation of a wedding that is permanent and eternal, and Every other marriage, every other covenant, every other consummation is just merely a copy of that, pointing to that. That's the kind of children we are. And so, I wanted to leave that this week with with us, just as we have an extra week thinking about this, because it's it would be an absolute nightmare. It'd be a, it would be a travesty if we were to read through this. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you have been baptised in the Holy Spirit. The, the point of this is that it, he, he is present and continuous. He's not present and continuous until you're 50. It's not that he's present and continuous until you retire. You know? And so the, the devil would want us to read these passages and not realise that we should be asking. We should be keeping on asking and helping him, asking him to help to order the way that our heart is working as we're asking, and that we wouldn't be asking in the wrong way. In the wrong way, it's worth me repeating this this precious major New Testament verse here just as we come to... Pray that Paul was continually asking, not as an entitled, needy layabout who refused to work with his hands, but as an obedient child of God. This is ultimately an issue of obedience and what is natural. And it may sound, may feel to some of us more than us, wildly unnatural to ask for anything, let alone a gift. Who asks somebody for a gift? It's so, it's so odd, but the NIV, I think, hits it, nails it. Ephesians 1 says, I keep asking. Can we can we keep on asking, as the night draws in, as the days get darker, not just in the seasonal sense, but in the spiritual sense, can we keep on asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Jesus better? The ultimate point of this is to know him better. And I touched last week on the on one of the gifts being the utterance of wisdom, and here we are. We have this beautiful sense of the Spirit gives both wisdom and revelation, and they're related. But the end, the end game of this, the end result of this, the whole point of it, and this is, I think, the answer about why we ask, why we keep on asking, is so that we would know Jesus better. As Graham Kendrick said, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. It's all about knowing him, and he is a good, good father, perfect in all of his ways, and he longs for us. In fact, I think he commands us, because the command is to imitate imitate Paul as he's imitating Jesus, and Paul keeps asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives. I'm going to talk, when we come back to this after half-term, about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit the power Paul had gone to Corinth resting in a simple demonstration of the Spirit's power and um, there's much to be said and again there's no rush with any of this but I hope that's been helpful today maybe for some more than others who have natural leanings and inclinations not to ask for anything let alone to keep on asking for this kind of gift he wills that we keep asking him The present continuous Holy Spirit wills that we keep asking him. And and Lord, I do I do just as I'm looking at this verse now, I do dare to even echo and repeat Paul's ongoing prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, may give me, may give us all listening, the spirit of wisdom. And revelation, so that we may know you better, that we would know you progressively, Jesus, and that as a result we would be more like you. Help us to be children, help us to know your playfulness, help us to know that there is nothing that we can do to make you love us any more, and there's nothing that we can do to make you love us any less, and that none of us love you as we should and that you are changing us from one degree of glory into another. So Lord, I pray this would be an encouragement for us all, not only to keep on asking, but Lord, that there would be testimonies and actual life experiences across experiences, across ages of keeping on receiving. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus now for that receiving of your Holy Spirit, maybe for some for the very first time for that baptism Lord, help us to understand about these theological issues. What is truly the case? Whether it's truly that it all happens at once at conversion or is there something, is there more? Is there something secondary? Help us to answer these and think about these questions. But in either case, Lord, we come as a child and we we as such submit ourselves to you and ask that you would be God for us. We don't come as a child to try and work it all out. We come expectantly looking to you. Just had a a flashback in my mind there of the Despicable Me film for anybody that's seen it. And the little girl in that who has an obsession with furry, fluffy unicorns. That's how we're to ask him. That's how we're to keep on asking him. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name you'd help us to do that. You are the Father of glory and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. thanks everybody for listening to this episode you trusted it's been a blessing if you want to help us take these media podcasts and videos and so forth into a new level of production please do consider going to our patreon page you can find that link in the show notes and consider becoming one of our supporters we'd be grateful until next week let's keep praying mara and arthur come lord jesus